Hello and welcome to Eat This Podcast with me, Jeremy Churfus. In this episode, I'm talking to William Rubel. He's a freelance food historian whose book, Bread, A Global History, is a really excellent little introduction to the topic. And I decided to ask William to come on as a guest because he's been a pretty vocal critic of some aspects of the modern rise of artisanal baking. For example, he's adamant that there's no tradition of using a sourdough leaven, that is, a mix of yeast and bacteria, in English-speaking bread baking. So anglophone artisan bakers who say they're reviving sourdough baking just aren't. They cannot be. In any case, he says, if you elevate one method of leavening bread, i.e. sourdough, you automatically denigrate the others. On what basis, he asked, can we say that sourdough is better? And he doesn't understand the demonization, as he puts it, of the Chorleywood bread process, which is what enables those very cheap packages of squishy supermarket bread. Why can't we like what we like? He's deeply skeptical about some of the health claims made for older wheat varieties and longer fermentation times. So I really wanted to hear what he had to say. Bread choice is, is it can be very class-based, and, and certainly as an historian, that's been my interest, and I think an epiphany for me is, is how well bread can be used to map social status. I went to the Terra Madre conference some years ago, and of course went to the bread workshop. And that bread workshop opened with the leaders of the workshop passing around a loaf of packaged bread in the package, and it passed up and down the aisles. And then when it come, came back to the front desk, to the dais, the leader of the group binned it. And I just thought, oh my God, there are literally hundreds of millions, even billions of people who eat this bread, who like this bread, or who can only afford this bread, and we're calling it trash. There's a fine line between saying the food you eat is trash and somehow you're trash. Sure. So I'm very, 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 think we need to be very wary on, on many levels of this good and bad, good and bad. For you, there's no good bread and there's no bad bread. There's just bread. Well, sure. If, if you go out at night and, and look up at the nighttime sky and, and you know, when, you, when the Milky Way is there and, and, and you just have stars everywhere and, and, and all the constellations are there, but you look up at that sky and what you will not find is the recipe for the best of bread. Because the recipe for bread is not written in the stars. The recipe for great bread, good bread, bad bread, that is all cultural. Those are cultural ideas. And as an historian especially, one has to step back from the culture one's in. Mm -hmm. uh, most people in the world, of course, eat flatbreads. Mm -hmm. But bread is an invention it doesn't grow on trees. It, it is unlike any other staple food. It, it's not like rice that gets harvested or potatoes that get dug up. Bread is a fabricated product. It's an invention of culture. 
whether you're a subsistence farmer in the um, in the past or whether you are, are buying your bread in a big city bakery, it's all the same. It's 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 a construct. Sure. The, no, I agree with you. It's a construct. But as a historian, when you study different cultures, you make allowances. You, I mean, when we talk about okay, for Europeans, we consider loaf bread to be the only kind of bread. But sure, there are flatbreads. And as an individual, you can judge a flatbread that you like, that is that you judge to be better. I agree, there are no external standards. Right, 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 Jeremy. Yes, you can me- you mediate what you like through your through yourself. This is my favorite bread. But that's not the same as saying, this is a good bread, that's a bad bread. Now, I, I, do want to, I, I do want to make clear that baking's a craft, and there is good craft and bad craft. So within however a particular bread is defined, there are better ones and less good ones. If you take the um, bete noir of the artisan bread culture, uh, which would be an industrial bread in a package, I have opened packages of industrial bread, and you can see they didn't even bother to stir it completely. You see swirl marks. So even in the context of, 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 of your industrial bread, there are better and less good renditions. But, but when thinking about bread, um, there isn't a difference between a uh, very soft, not even, not, not yeast raised, but however chemical air whipped um, bread uh, and the bread from the finest or what is deemed to be the finest artisan bakery. But I'm having difficulty untangling good and bad from I like and I don't like. Um, food is, is fashion and um, it's class-based and it also is time-based fashion. For example, right now, um, we, in this artisan bread world, and I'll, I'll put myself we in that. Um, oh, that's good some, to know. With, that's with actually some, some that's actually good to as, know. As but historically, in the Anglo-American food world, uh, sourdough bread not only was awful, was bad, an active evil. You did everything possible to prevent your bread from being sour. In the unlikely case, you were forced not to use yeast, because the Anglo-American tradition is a yeasted bread tradition. Until I'm 66, you know, until, you know, way into my adulthood, we Americans and we British, I'm in London right now, we didn't eat sourdough bread. But now, sourdough bread is extolled as a virtue, and it's natural. You see packages that say we're natural leavening, um, as if yeast were unnatural, which we can get to separately. Um, but that's a matter of fashion. But the, the changes in fashion, I mean, okay, whole wheat bread with a huge crust and big bubbles inside it, probably a hundred years ago, nobody, nobody in their right mind who could afford to eat white bread would have wanted that. So these are changes in fashion. And I, I see that. What, what you seem to be saying is that, yes, that's great, but don't pretend that's the way it's always been done. Is, is that right? Well, first of all, I'm saying that's great if that's what you like. I am going to disagree with the 100% whole wheat um, because they don't make the big holes. So you, you're going to not, you tend not to have whole wheat breads. Um, 
but I'm saying is, yes, high-status people, even into the 19th century, didn't eat the crust of bread in many parts of Europe and even in the United States. The crust was chipped off. So we didn't eat the crust because it was considered unhealthy. Right. What I'm saying is that what you like is what you like. But to say that a crusty bread is great and is the best bread and is the acme of bread perfection and represents some kind of bread ideal, that's a cultural construct. So I, I'm saying is it's, it's great for us to have preferences and even cultural preferences, but we should be honest about them and think honestly about them ourselves and realize that we're following fashion. If we, I mean, thinking about the, the whole crust business, you know, 10 years ago, maybe even still today, you could go to the Ritz in London, order an afternoon tea, and you'd get your fine cucumber sandwiches, and the crusts would have been cut off. I mean, it's still kind of a genteel thing. But the fact that people like crusts today, fashion has changed, uh, social markers have changed. You've got to have good teeth to eat crusts. So, it, yes, I'm, I agree with you. It's, it's kind of a marker of the culture. And the better best or good bad dimension uh, is, is one that's laid on top of a kind of preference, non-preference. I like the sort of supermarket bad bread, bag bread if I'm going to toast it and put butter and jam on it. That's perfectly fine for that. Well, this is just it, is... I mean, there's a couple just it's there. <laughs> One is that bread is usually eaten with something. My bread epiphany actually was at the, an intermission sandwich at the Old Vic in, in London some 30 years ago, and I ordered a, um, a, a cheese and chutney sandwich during the interval break, and I had just come from Paris, where, of course, I had Poilain's bread, a famous a bakery in Paris that, that has made the, a, a, a traditional French um, country bread with a crusty loaf and um, a Levin, a sour starter. Um, and wood-fired oven has been made. Sort of, it's an international model of, of, of excellence. And I bit into this, this sandwich, and the, the, the bread itself dissolved. It just crushed between um, in my mouth. And then there was this explosion of flavor from the sharp cheddar and from the, from the chutney. And I realized, whoa, this is the bread for this dish, not Poilin's bread, this bread. So, you know, that sandwich isn't designed for a crusty crust. And, mm -hmm. and um, you want the bread that's appropriate for what you're eating. But I'm the son of a man who died at 90, just shy of 94, my father died, and he didn't eat crust. I think we can agree that, you know, whether crusts are bad for you or not is not actually a matter of medical certainty. <laughs> I want to go back to the question of sourdough and ask you whether, is it the word sour? Because a lot of sourdough, I have this problem all the time, a lot of people think that sourdough bread is going to be sour, but an ordinary leaven built fairly rapidly will not result in a sour bread. It's just using yeast and the other, the other bacteria, um, but it's not necessarily sour. Is it the word sour that you find objectionable? Well, I don't find 
sour objectionable at all. But historically, um, sour was objectionable, even in countries that mostly made their breads with with a levain mm-hmm. or sourdough. Um, historically, be- before the germ theory of disease that we have since Pasteur discovered germs, um, it certainly was clear that if you had a sour stomach and you were throwing up, uh, that the, the, the bad stomachs had something to do with, with the, the, that it was sour. And they confused sour tastes with something that was bad for you. So eating sour bread was something that would give you gastroenteritis. And the medical books in the 19th century all spoke specifically gastroenteritis. It's an entery, and one of the ways you get it was some sour bread. So there are lots of high-status writers that exoriate poor people, poor women, so it's very misogynistic because women have been the bakers um, in the home. Um, sour was bad. Okay. Um, so the sour thing, I mean, the sour thing, it, it, it's a classic confusion of cause and effect because you throw up stomach acid. So you maybe you think the stomach acid was actually caused by the sour thing you ate. I mean, it's, it's, it's understandable. It's completely understandable. So the idea of the, I mean, modern, modern artisanal bakers are very keen to form links with farmers, to form links with millers. Some are growing their own grain, some are milling their own grain, which is completely novel. I don't think that happened before, except by necessity. I don't think that happened as a matter of choice over 2,000 years of history, at least. But is it the fact that it didn't happen before uh, doesn't mean it's a bad thing now, does it? You know, everything that we're doing now and, and the breads that, that, you know, the style of bread that, that we're loving, it all, has, it all has a reason, you know. It all, it's all because that's where we are in, on, a, on a lot of levels. A lot of bakers are speaking about food systems, and a lot of us are concerned about food systems and sustainability and the alienation from where our food comes from. And, and that applies to, to bread, it applies to our salads, it, it applies across the board. So this interest in where does my wheat come from is, and, and, and can it be grown locally, you know, that, that's, that's, that's partly a critique of the industrial food system. It's, it's also part of a growing connoisseurship. It's saying, let's not just look at this as a commodity product, let's look at it as a product that might um, be something that we choose for flavor as we... Um, choose our fruit for flavor. Um, Historically, of course, there's a big difference between home bread making and and, and commercial bread baking, whether that was a bakery or whether it was, um, you know, the the state baker making the bread for the people who built the pyramids um, or or whether it's the the baker that's making the bread that that feeds, you know, that feeds a a literal court. Um, Bread has been milled at home until very, very recently. And also there are records where the, 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 the British court will be traveling, say, King Henry VIII, traveling from, you know, palaces through the land, having a procession. And, and, the, and that, you know, someone in the court's really happy because they're going into such and such a place where there is really the best flour for making manchet. Uh, there are even records from ancient Egypt that speak about shipping some really nice wheat from Upper Egypt, 
you know, down to, to down to, to, to lower Egypt. So I, I think that uh, that the top bakers have always been on the lookout for really good wheat grown by by a good farmer. So I don't think that's completely unique. Um, the bakers would have been buying in their grain until the the, the 1800s, the 1700s, until the 18th century. They would buy grain, they would have it milled, and they would get whole wheat into their shop, and then they sifted it themselves. And it wasn't really till 1700s, and especially towards the latter part of the 18th century, that the tradition of the miller uh, making the flour was, was, was really established. <laughs> that, that's very interesting and very, very entertaining. But you've said all along that bread is a cultural construct and, yes. that, and that the idea today of bakers wanting to be part of a food system, wanting to have locally, locally grown things. You, I mean, you, you've said that, yes, this also happened in the past, but you're also saying that they're mistaken about bakers having talked to, to, to growers in the past. I mean, all I'm asking you is, can you see the value in an artisan baker wanting to say, or, or is, is the problem with them pretending that it's historic, or maybe not pretending, maybe they don't know that it's, you know, that it was only King Henry VIII who cared about where his, where his wheat came from. It seems to me that bakers are doing everything they can to make their product desirable, possibly to justify the cost of it, possibly for other reasons, and that in so doing, they may be telling a, a story that isn't entirely true about, about what they're doing and why they're doing it? Well, um, okay, first of all, in, in the past, of course, they were all embedded in their food system. So it's only recently that the bakers have woken up and said, oh my God, um, we're not embedded in our food system. But as a historian, what do you mean by only recently? Well, I mean, I mean, right now, this embedded in the food systems the last, I mean, isn't it just the last decade that we're suddenly saying, you know, where are we in this food system? And, and oh my God, we've got this commodity system. Let's, 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 let's get out from under it and, 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 and let's, you know, get rid of food miles and let's look at our, our carbon footprint. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's just a whole lot that's, that's going on. That, that that that's going on um the the, the the couple changes okay the one thing that they're going back to that people actually went away from is is single cultivar grains so bakers began to blend flour in the certainly by the 1750s in in the uk or let's just take the richest part of the uk in england uh they began to blend flour in 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 that period and they also began to age flour. And again, we're talking about white flour. And that was to create um, consistency in the baking process. When you go and buy a bag of flour, you want to know it's going to bake the recipe the same way that the flour you bought last week baked the recipe or last year. And obviously, when you're selling to people through a shop, you need consistency. When we come in to buy that bread, we want it to be the same today as it was yesterday and, and last week. If it's inconsistent, generally we change bakeries. The reason they blend the flour is to get 
good qualities from different from different wheats. You might want a, a slightly yellowish color from one wheat. You might want extensibility, the ability for the dough to stretch, 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 stretch like a, a great piece of pizza from another. Um, and, and you're giving that up and you're saying, okay, we want to really taste and feel this one flour. One characteristic of a lot of of artisan bread conferences now is the flour tasting where you go and they're actually tasting, you know, different wheats, um, to get flavor out of it. And this is certainly not something that's been done before. Um, so that, that definitely is new. It's a new quest. And, and I think these things on a global scale are neither good nor bad. Um, but certainly it's, I think, good to be asking questions and it's good to be growing. And one thing about the bread culture right now is there's a lot of imagination being put into it and, and a lot of creativity. And I, 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 I don't think any other time in history have so many people been so focused um, in their careers and also as amateurs in exploring what bread can do. Um, my, my critique of that, yes, you're exploring what it can do, but within a relatively narrow range, a fairly narrow definition, as we talked about at the beginning of what is a, a good and best bread. But no, I mean, I, 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 I applaud that. But no, it's not a burden that a baker in 1950 carried or a baker in 1850 or 1650 or in 50 or in minus 1,500. One of the interesting things I, I've seen is that the, the new technology of milling, um, modern domestic mills that you can put on your countertop, um, slightly bigger ones that a baker can have, they, they do actually grind more effectively so that less sifting is required. You, you can get a very fine flour with even the bran. Maybe the bran will be, be a color or maybe it'll have a taste. But you, you can actually do more today than you could ever do in the past with, with milling. Yes. Okay. So yes, this um, milling style. Yes, these new mills that, we, that people are using at home and the commercial mills, they are able to pulverize the flour and pulverize the bran to the point that whole grain flour is very similar in texture to a white flour. That, that is right. That is a completely new grade. It not only wasn't possible, but it would have been considered very undesirable in, in the past. Mm -hmm. Final question, William. I, I want to get back to the personal. Um, okay. Given that you are of your culture, that mm -hmm. you are a hippie child, that mm -hmm. all of that... For your last meal, what kind of bread would you want? <laughs> oh, my last meal. Well, unfortunately, the fact is, the most recent loaf. Um, you know, I like bread, and I love it in all, in all forms. And, uh, you know, it's, it's truly, I think it, it's, I really think it's, 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 all, it's all good. And um, there's something good about all of it. Uh, you know, when you... You go for that poilin loaf, you know, you're giving up the super soft crumb of, of the package. <laughs> when you go for the crunchy loaf, you're giving up the, the other. Uh, you know, the, there's something in all of it. I mean, honestly, I, I'm, not, I'm not being, I'm not playing with you. Um, it's something I actually really don't, I really don't, I really don't care. 
if you were to ask me the, if my last meal were to be bread, then it would be a freshly ground, um, because I have a meal, I, I grind my own flour, I, have a, I sift my own flour, and I, I can make white flour at home. But I will say that a, a loaf of bread made with freshly ground flour is a different food. It is a food, and you, and you realize, ah, you can actually eat this. That really is a wonderful food. So I'll take that for my last bread meal, which is different than saying, you know, your last piece of bread and butter. Because for that last bread and butter, I'm, I'm very Catholic in my taste. William Rubel. And I have to admit, it was good to hear the slightly contrarian academic historian say that he can see the different values of different kinds of bread. Me, I'll keep making my untraditionally leavened, long-fermented loaves, looking forward to the day when, like William Rubel, I can be milling my own fresh flour at home. That's all for this episode. I'll put links to William Rubel's book on the history of bread and other stuff on my website at eatthispodcast.com. And let me mention quickly that you can also sign up there for the newsletter and make a donation to support the show. For now, though, from me, Jeremy Chervis, goodbye and thanks for listening. Thank you.